These are bagpipes. Turntables. Indeed. I am Kevin. And I'm Stitch. And today we're talking about the 1982 release from Kate Bush, The Dreaming. Yes. Uh, Kate Bush is in vogue right now because of uh, Stranger Things. Um, but Kevin here has been a longtime fan pre Netflix original series. Uh, yeah, I, I liked Kate Bush before she was cool. Not to, not to not make that she you. ever wasn't cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've uh, I've known this album for about eleven years now. I I discovered it. We were in Mrs. Pickenheim's English class. Nice. And we were reading the book Weathering Heights, and someone found the song Weathering Heights, and we we showed it to the class. And most people were probably just like weirded out, but I was like, whoa, that has a cool chord progression. I need to check out her stuff. <laughs> and. I I remember going on iTunes at the time and like listening to the ninety second samples of this album Hounds of Love and the Kick Inside, and it was like love at first listen for a lot of these tracks. <clears throat> yeah, and I can see why. There's just a lot of creativity in both the form, especially as well as just how she says things <laughs> like the, the the delivery is what the word i'm looking for yeah she goes all over the place on this thing at the time she called it her mad album ah. um it didn't get a very good critical reception i think it was a little too weird for the general public in 1982 yeah but it's her fourth full-length release sandwiched between never forever and hounds of love which is probably her most famous disc Nice. Yeah. Shall we talk about the songs? Sure. Do you want to go in order or can, jump around? Can, it doesn't matter to me. I do think Sat in Your Lap is quite the opener. Yes. Guns a-blazing. Um, inspiration for the Roblox oof sound, I feel like. Oh, just because... <laughs> Oh man, there was there was a spell where this was like one of my top ten favorite songs of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The eighties horns, the the piano, the drum machine, it all comes to like a perfect rhythmic storm. Mm-hmm. And I I love how like the Cockney accent in the verses with like the that some say that knowledge is yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a great little line, and the the music video is amazing. She's on rollerblades with dunce cap people and minotaurs, and that's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this kind of opens up something that I like about the whole album, but the the drum parts are so not normal. Yeah, like a, a lot of it is kind of floor tom based, and feels like a predecessor to acts that I quite like. Like, uh, Animal Collective does a lot of, like, floor tom-based percussion for a lot of their records, as well as, um, oh, I had a second example, but I can't remember. I'm losing it. But other people, you know, that's a, that's a trope that I like in music when it's kind of less snare hi-hat-based and more, like, full range of percussion, I guess, is yeah. what I'm saying. There's actually no cymbals on this album at all. Really? Wow. Yeah, that was an artistic choice. That's so cool. Yeah. And going back to Set in Your Lap, 
the um this this song structurally kind of does like a extended coda with like the sending lines and the the give yeah. me the karma mama thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and there's like it sounds like each verse has a different like pre-chorus that comes after or before or whatever. And I think that's really cool. It's kind of like a through composed shard in a like repetitive form, you know. This this song's form I, when you look at it like on the progress bar, the the little verses and like little choruses. I I consider the some say that knowledge is kind of like a mini chorus, but there's also the mm. I must have dick just because I'm king yeah. thing. So it kind of has like either that would be a pre-chorus and a chorus or two choruses, but the individual like sections like the verses go by in like 15 seconds right yeah and it, you're you're off to the races each time mm-hmm. oh, i dropped my coaster <laughs> i have a large baja blast for for the dreaming because that's my dream beverage <laughs> <laughs> um and i an, another kind of uh blanket statement i want to say about the album based on something i observed in this track when we listened to it um it's not drenched in reverb like a lot of stuff from the 80s is, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. It makes it more timeless, I think. Yeah, I feel like this album can feel both like a product of its time and kind of like a little bit removed from time. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the synth tones kind of scream 80s. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's very much... I think she used like a Fairbright system... Uh, I'd, I'd have to look that up. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so bad at, like, looking up session musician players and, like, guest vocalists, because there are several on here. We should get a specialist. A, yeah. <laughs> a production uh, crew specialist to come and talk with us. Um, but, yeah, I would agree. Um, and if someone told me that some, like... You know, if someone told me Kate Bush was, like, new music from now... Like I would believe that as well. Like it would it would be kind of in the outsider art for now to use those tones when it's so easy to get like newer stuff. Um, but I would like the the songwriting is feels fresh still. I, I think specifically. Yeah. I I I'm, I'm thinking like mentally. Do I keep talking about set in your lap or do I mention we, another song? We can move on. Yeah. 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 Something that I recognized pretty quickly is that when Kate Bush does, like, a set of... She's really good at, like, micro-motives, whether Mm. that be just, like, a little outcry in the background or a particular synth line coming in at the right time. And she, she stacks together all these layers to make really impactful songs. Yeah, and I think some... If I may pull up an example of that. Yes, go for it. Um, I think, which which was my favorite track of the album, Pull Out the Pin, has a lot of small, like, motifs like that. Um, even in the, the chorus, there's, like, three different ones going on at once that kind of all spark the next one in, like, a chemical reaction kind of deal, you know, like the, I love life pull out the pin kind of like reaction or action and reaction kind of thing 
Yeah, Pull Out the Pin is such a sick song. There's, <laughs> like, the piano part is, like, the background, but there's, like, a little bit of, like, those wooden-sounding instruments. Yeah, and I wrote bone-like. Yeah, kind of like maybe a marimba or something. Yeah, like a really dry marimba. Yeah, and the the lyrics on this one are really detailed. Mm-hmm. It's all about a um, you know, the, your standard song about the Vietnam War from the Vietnamese perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she's not afraid to go places that most other songwriters wouldn't even try. Yeah, and a lot of these songs on first listen, I didn't realize how deep they were, like that. Um, And then once you look at the lyrics, it's like, oh, this is like a horror story of being a Vietnamese person during the war, you know? Yeah, there's like that line that's like, I look into American eyes, I see little life, see little wife, they see no right reason for the fighting, they're stirring up violence in me, it's like, Mm. oh shit. Right, yeah, yeah, (laughs) and like the Silver Buddha line. My Silver Buddha. Bullet. (laughs) Both of those, yeah. Um, definitely one of probably my favorite one on the record. Um, and there's that really cool, like, understated guitar part during the chorus that doesn't show up anywhere else, which I was one of my favorite parts of the song. Yeah, I really like the guitar in the outro. Yeah, that kind of too. gets really trilly, really ornamental, mm-hmm. and kind of like fades out and like disintegrates in and of itself like really organically and i think it's this album has a lot of tracks where it's like very like quirky and angular and tracks like pull out the pin or um what else all the love or night of the swallow that are kind of like slinky and smooth and it's like a cool range that she can do yeah, I I feel All the Love and Pull Out the Pin is kind of sister tracks. Yeah, yeah. Because Pull Out the Pin is like the really intense piano ballad and All the Love is like the really understated, almost ghost-like. Yeah. Those like, we needed you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I need to stop trying to sing. Even <laughs> even an octave lower, it's way worse than Kate, of course. <laughs> Yes, nothing we sing will do her justice. <laughs> yeah, gosh, what a voice. I, I'm i just blown away by like the speaking, the singing, the chanting, the screaming, the yelling. The... Yeah, she can do so much. <laughs> um, yeah, we can talk about All the Love, too, which is another highlight of mine. It's almost like Floydian guitar parts going on for this one. Um, and like that ghost-like creepy vocal melody that's like super low in the mix. Another example of like a 15 second piece of the form. <laughs> yeah. I love that the first lyric of this song is the first time I died was in the arms of good yeah. friends of mine. It's like, the first time, you say. <laughs> and it's one of those like, tell your friends you love them before it's too late songs. And it's like, dang. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> There's a real plane of quality in the chorus. It's very longing and yearning. Yeah. The haunting, like, telephone messaging of, like, the everyone saying bye at the end. Like, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. That is a sick outro. It goes along with, like, the 
I th- it reminds me of, uh, this is kind of random, but Put Your Number on My Phone by Ariel Pink. There's that random voicemail message yeah. in there that you kind of have, like, that analog sound in the, mm-hmm. in the rest of the texture. And um, I Can Be a Frog by the Flaming Oh, yeah! Karen the, O's feature. Yeah. Yep. From the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Mm-hmm. Not the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song. But right. The, <laughs> the band, not the song. Do we do a Flaming Lips of reference in every episode we record? Or? I don't think we did one in uh, the last one, but... Ah. We can if we want. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think All the Love, uh, album order-wise, goes into Houdini really well, which is kind of this... Uh, it's also kind of a creepy song about, like, <laughs> at least what Genius says it's about <laughs> is, like, this seance where it's, like, reaching Houdini and Houdini's wife or something. Yeah, the lyrics on this one are... It's obviously about the magic performances of the time, but the the line, like, with your spit still on my lips, you'd hit the water. yeah. Being being in love with someone who does such dangerous things for a job feels like so intense, and that's reflected in like the suddenly violent delivery in some of these parts. Yeah, that's another one of those great vocal range things. I I love the string part that comes mm-hmm. in at the end of the chorus. It's yeah. kind of contrapuntal, kind of baroquey, but a lot of open fifths throughout, and just yeah. really kind of feels like snakes slithering around. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, almost like, on Houdini's corpse, uh. <laughs> Right. Booga, 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 booga. <laughs> yeah, Houdini is another big highlight for me. It has the, uh, the famous, Jingle, jangle, <laughs> jingle, jangle. <laughs> There's so many fun little lines to quote on this album. Didn't want to let them see me weep. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna keep singing. I need this stuff. <laughs> I I used to sing this all the time in the shower. My family probably hated it. It's a good it's a good singing in the shower record. There's a lot of good earworms. Yeah, I love in the title track the it's it's that lilty jolty melody, but like mm-hmm. that part where the <laughs> is a oh, really yeah. fun thing to imitate too, or like the. Yeah, yeah, that track that track is so cool and a lot of those techniques again are like you see that like AV Terror does that, Terry Genderbender does that. You know, that and those are two of my favorite, you know, vocalists in music, you know. Check out the Butcherettes listeners, you'll you'll love their stuff. Yeah, definitely a Kate Bush um the opposite of predecessor. <laughs> Oh, antecessor? Um, um, from from the Kate Bush camp is, I would say, the uh, La Butcherettes would be, but more punk. <laughs> yeah, more guitars and more really cool titles and <laughs> songs. I also love that the chorus is just the word dreaming, but drawn out like by syllables and not quite finished. Yeah, that's which a is really, really cool. nice touch. <laughs> Another to bring up the lyrics again. The about like indigenous populations in Australia. Yeah, with complete with a didgeridoo player and everything. Yeah, and then I, I didn't write it down because I'm <laughs> unprofessional. Um, but there is like Aborigines at the end, like actual spoken and sung Aborigines. But I forget what the translation was. 
I should have looked that up too, yeah. I can do that right now, and we can just edit this. <laughs> we can, yeah. The album cover is cool too. The it is. Reference to Houdini, the, the tongue on the, key on the tongue. Okay, so I double checked, and the lyrics can be approximated as airplane, airplane. So that's kind of a an interesting mm. addition. Yeah, I I love the come in with the golden light in the morning. Mm -hmm. it's, that's another great hook. Really good percussion on that one too. Let's talk. I have another highlight that we kind of passed. Yeah, um, there goes a tenor. What that's a another, song! One of my highlights. The bank robbery song. Yeah. It's like so. It's so like blocky in such a fun way. Yeah, it's kind of like music hall. Yeah, vibes. a little bit. <laughs> the piano part's great. It has that. I love the way that she sings the. Who'd have thought that he in his judgment? Yeah. Whenever that pops up, another little micro song component that she pieces together. And I love how low in her voice the the song starts. Like, it's so, like, looming, like, really low in her, in her range. I think that's so cool and mysterious. Yeah, this is one of the few songs where she doesn't go up into the screeching soprano range. Yeah, yeah. I like that um, little instrumental part that concludes the, the verses as well. Like mm. that. Yeah. Cause that it doesn't feel like it fits on first listen, but it, it's a nice little catch to breather before you get into the the rest of the story unfolding. Yeah, yeah, and I like the like the big the the hits at the end of I guess the chorus or the verse or something. Um, where it's like dun 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 dun. dun oh dun. yeah, my <clears throat> excitement turns into fear. Yeah, yeah. And it was a little, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this whole episode is just me poorly singing Kate Bush. Because <laughs> we, we've got the 10 years perspective and the fresh listen perspective right, for you today. Yeah, yeah, I think I first heard this album a month ago or so. Gosh, to hear this again for the first time. Because this was, this was like the first album that I personally found that like really entered into my taste because mm -hmm. before that it was all m m stuff that my dad showed me yeah yeah and i could see how this would be adjacent to that but like taking wing into the weird <laughs> yeah this album is really weird but it's also really emotional yeah yeah like you can cry to some of these i have cried to a lot of these songs. <laughs> I, could, I, I could see that yeah. like honestly like we, we mentioned all the love suspended in gaffa almost too <sighs> Dude, this might be my favorite song on the album. It's another highlight for me. It's like very oddly like pastoral and frolicky. Yeah, it's got that like waltzy lilt to it. Mm -hmm. It feels kind of classical, but also kind of like that. Uh, here I go singing again. It's yeah. a great little line. And it's got my favorite, one of my favorite lyrical moments where just very quickly and subtly she says, I'm scared of the changes. I'm like, ah, yeah. me too. <laughs> yeah, and this, this song is about 
when you're kind of you're, you're developing feelings for someone but you're not quite ready for it yeah and that was my my love life is very long and complicated but when i was <laughs> only 16 years old and hearing this for the first time it was like that idea of not until i'm ready for you I, I just I just really felt that both yeah. at the time and ever since that it's a great song about not quite having your feelings sorted out but kind of feeling trapped because Gaffa is kind of like a stage tape that people use for setting up um, yeah equipment mm -hmm. and to be suspended in that yeah it's like in that preparatory stage versus and that that theme comes up later in Get Out of My House. Um, which is another highlight, yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of highlights I hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Get Out of My House has another great earworm with, like, the, the main title, of course, but that, that little, like, almost rap part of, like, the, I'm the concierge moi. Yeah. <laughs> this, that one is, like, <laughs> I know it's a lot of it is metaphorical, but, like, the, the, the line where it's, like, I change into the mule. Which is, like, it, it's an allegory for stubbornness, but, like, sonically, it sounds like there is an actual transformation because of the, like, hee-hawing. And it's, I, I wrote down, it's, like, audio, audio body horror a little bit. Oh, yeah. When I, when I first heard Get Out of My House, I just, between the drum machines and, like, the, the synth tones and, like, the... Standing! Yeah! <laughs> it's it's quite a package, and a really bold choice for the closer. It's kind of a companion song to set in your lap, because they're both in the same key signature, and they both mm. feature, like, really passionate vocal performances throughout. Yeah. I honestly couldn't think of any other track closing the album, because it's it's just such an intense song that comes to this boil that I don't think could be followed by anything else. Yeah. Which is, like, so great. It also has the longest coda of the album. There's, a, yeah. there's like, first course, first course, and then a pretty extended section with the hee-haws you were mentioning and everything. Mm -hmm. My key eye, my key eye. It's so, like, a lot... Again, like, those, those just nuggets of catchy melodies and interesting things... The drums are like manic, like slam, like someone knocking on a door. Like, it, it's kind of a scary song. Like, yeah, <laughs> among her scarier tracks. For, speaking as someone who's listened to her right. whole discography, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gosh, I um, another one of my favorite moments. We haven't talked about "Leave It Open" yet. Yeah, yeah. Which is another highlight for me. Nice, nice. The um. The drumming on that one, especially when it enters in at about two minutes in, like the, the really noticeable snare entry as it's picking up, mm. I almost want it to be longer as it's like the yeah. we let the weirdness in comes in slash they said they were buried here if you listen to it backwards, which is a cool little detail. Yeah, we did that like a couple days ago yeah. uh, from recording this and it, it kind of blew my mind. It's so, this song is creepy forward and back and awesome forward and back and it's just great yeah most of the time when you put something backwards it just kind of sounds weird and stringy but to have that clear of a message we got the weirdness in versus they said they were buried here yeah 
Because the whole rest of the song, it, it sounds like your typical like Twin Peaks dialogue or something. Right. <laughs> In the red room. I really like the uh, the really sky high vocals on like. But now I've started learning how. But now I've started learning how I keep it shut. And the flange vocals I commented on the other day as well is a bold choice, and I really respect that. <laughs> That's another one that. The, the lyrical concept is just kind of like leaving it open instead of keeping it shut, like being open with your feelings versus keeping them reserved. Mm-hmm. But also kind of, there's a gothic quality to the, yeah. the overall proceedings that I really dig. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the, like gothic musically or lyrically or both? Or... A little bit of both, yeah. Because I could definitely see like like the cure which is like the like one of the goth bands like this yeah. i could see this being like kind of similar to their kind of vibe man if robert smith and kate bush did a, <laughs> collab, a collab that'd be so awesome <laughs> yeah because she did the collabs with peter gabriel on uh, his third album and so that um i think they did a random christmas special in 1982 but uh that's neither here nor there i suppose <laughs> Christmas special. All I can think of is just David Bowie and uh, <laughs> Bing Crosby in the same room. Oh, I'm unfamiliar. Oh, that's that's a classic. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's unrelated to what we're talking about. Yeah. The other track that we mentioned but haven't dove into yet would be Night, Night of the, the Swallow, Swallow with the Celtic instruments and the lyrics about yeah. a smuggler. Right, yeah. Another strange song concept that really hits home. I, I I don't often... Like, bagpipes are rarely subtle in a song. And they, they, they don't feel completely out of place here, which I think is really cool. Whereas, like, Laurie Anderson would do the opposite approach. Like, I'm just thinking of an album that came out the same year, Big Science, has a lot of bagpipes that are blatantly not fitting in with everything else. And, like, these are bagpipes. <laughs> this is the... <laughs> they're, they're an all-caps instrument, if there ever was one. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm impressed that, um, orchestrationally speaking, that they fit so well in this. Yeah. Because there's... The, the first melody in this one is pretty... She's kind of scream belting in, yeah. in the verses, but the, the actual piano part's relatively subdued, and then it really picks up into the triple meter that you get into the chorus with, and I love that over the water on the over. Yeah, it's it's kind of like an Irish jig of some sort. Yeah, it is in that like Celtic six eighty kind of feel. And I love the bridge where it's like, well, from my miserable life, kind of like the lower part after. Mm-hmm. There's another. There's a lot of great hocketing backing vocals in this one too, and like the, that whoosh sound yeah. that comes in. I think this might be one of the more involved tracks in terms of like layering and stuff. This one and the the um, intro uh, "Sat in Your Lap" I think are two of the ones that I remarked on as being like the most maximal of the of the songs. Yeah, she's not afraid to. When you have like the multi-tracked, multiple Kates going on in the background, she has a voice that I I I know we keep mentioning the the vocal calisthenics of like those those background parts that are kind of like let me let me go. 
Kevin sings yet another phrase from. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to though yeah. because it's so like catchy and fun. <laughs> yeah, I um, I have a top ten list for the ten tracks on here, but we don't need to be that we specific. Can, we can we can talk that after the recording. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> a little nerdy. Uh, I think we did hit all of them though. All the tracks that is. Yeah, I was gonna mention track order wise. I like. I think it's split five and five on the original vinyl. Nice. And I think side A is a little stronger than side B, but not by much. Yeah, I I think my highlights tend to be like the first act and the third act of the album. If we're gonna even go by that. Because, like, uh, There Goes a Tenor and Pull Up the Pin are two of my favorites, and All the Love and Get Out of My House are two of my favorites. Um, nothing is bad on the album, you know, uh, but I think my highlights tend to lean toward the first and second bookends, which is not a, not a, not a bad way to have an album, you know, start strong, finish strong. Yeah. The, um, the piano ballads, because like all the love into Houdini, it, they kind of double each other a little bit. That would be like one of those minor criticisms I have. Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, I can see that. And the the piano in the verses of Night of the Swallow, but like the the uptick and energy at the choruses really makes that one distinct. And, mm-hmm. and the the beginning with like just the heartbreaking screeching right out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like it wow All right. I, I love if you couldn't tell I really dig this album <laughs> <laughs> and I have I have come to dig it as well um, perhaps I should say a score and some overall thoughts perhaps you should if we're at that point of the, I, of the I podcast we are yeah we hit all the songs we did um, yeah I I'm really glad you suggested this one and it was definitely one that I liked better with each listen like it was you, you understand more and you kind of grab onto more pieces of the puzzle with this one with each listen and I think that's cool I mean that kind of that sounds like a general thing to say but I think it's especially relevant to this album just because there are so many like working parts um, but once you really grasp one it's like stuck with you like I was at work last night and I was just thinking about Kate Bush the whole time. <laughs> Not a bad place to be. <laughs> right, right. Brighten up the shift. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's a really creative album and there's a lot of really interesting things happening. And I think this one is an eight point eight out of ten for me. Eight point eight, nice. I was hoping it would be eight or higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess I, you always hope for a good score from your co-host whenever you suggest an album, but, you know. Oh, I, I mean, oh, I had it upside down. I actually meant 8.8 out of Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very, very different. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, this was a real formative album for me. It's it's kind of, I think of it as like an unofficial trilogy with um, two other records that kind of came out around the similar time, uh, Peter Gabriel's third album and Brian Eno's Before and After Silence, that just really are solidified in my mind as like core to my taste and like, or the late 70s, early 80s art pop scene as a whole. Yeah. And what I love about this record is just the unbounded creativity that she pours into every micro interaction and every macro interaction of each track is I never get tired of singing along. I never get tired of crying to it. 
Uh, yeah, this is um, a light six, probably. <laughs> no, no, it's... <laughs> this is uh, my second favorite album of all time, so wow. I, it, gets, it gets a ton. <laughs> second favorite of all time. I can see it. It's very you. It, it, yeah, I, I just... All, all the things we talked about and more. Yeah. I, I could probably go on for hours and hours about specific moments and details of songs, and we don't need that all in the podcast. Yeah, we'll do it immediately after we stop recording, but un- until <laughs> until next time, uh, this has been Turntables. I'm Stitch. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. As always. Hey, Turntables listeners, uh, thanks again for being here. Uh, Kevin sure knows how to pick them, and I think we had a good time with The Dreaming by Kate Bush. But for next time, we will be discussing the 1995 alternative rock album Wowie Zowie by Pavement. Make sure to listen to that so you can engage with the conversation next time. All right, take care.